Take your Bible and let's turn to Matthew chapter 10. As we're studying our way through uh, the book of Matthew, this is where we're at this morning, and uh, we've uh, done everything up to this point. Matthew chapter 10, 21 to 25. I want to begin by introducing uh, my comments uh, with this uh, introduction. I don't really know that our generation is any different than any other generations that have ever gone before us in lots of different respects. People have been people since the beginning of the, t- of the days of Adam and Noah. Uh, Adam, Noah, and on down through the history of uh, mankind. Adam had problems, Noah had problems, Moses had problems, we have problems, everybody's had problems. Now, things are different in our situation. Uh, Moses didn't drive a car anywhere, we do, but that's not the issue. What are we like at our core? I think we're still about the same. Whatever ancient civilization you go to, whether it's the Sumerians or someone else, uh, people haven't changed much. One uh, issue that confronts us today, and it's brought up to us by Jesus Christ, as it has in past generations, that uh, we have an issue of allegiance to family. And I want to give you a a flavor of what Jesus is going to be talking about. So uh, since we're already in chapter 10, let's look at verse 37 of Matthew, Jesus Christ makes this bold statement, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he talks about if you don't take up your cross and follow him, uh, you're not a part of him. Wow, those are some uh, interesting comments, aren't they? Uh, You look at your family, your blood family, and you ask yourself, is that true of me? Now, in some families, that's not hard to do. If you have a father that abused you growing up, uh, you can see that uh, I I love Jesus more than him. Uh, But it's those other loving family members that we have an issue with how do we deal with them. Uh, Let's stop by in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. Jesus speaks of this again. Jesus uh, says of him this, while he was still speaking to the crowds, behold, her mother, his mother, excuse me, and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. So Jesus is in the middle of teaching people and speaking, and somebody says, hey, hey, Jesus, your, your mom and your brothers are outside. They'd like to have a word with you. Now, we've already learned that the reason they're out there and what they want to have a word with is they think Jesus is losing his mind, and he's acting like a crazy man, and they need to get him out of the public eye. Well, anyway, someone tells him that. And someone said to him in verse 47, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said this, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Now I want to have one more, and that's from Luke 19. These are all in your bulletin if you're following along. Luke 19, verse 9. And I said, uh, whoop, I'm, in, I'm not in the right place. Matthew 19, 29. Did I say Luke? I, that's wrong. Uh, try to pay attention. Uh, Matthew 19, 29. It says this, And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Interesting stuff. How do we think about our blood family and how do we think about the family of God, which is a spiritual family? If you are a Christian, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, if you're a Christian, then you likely have two families. In reality, you do. 
One is your family by blood relation, and the other one is your family by the spiritual connection through adoption by Jesus Christ when we put faith in him. Most likely, there are those who have members of their blood family who are not members of the spiritual family. We're talking about unsaved family members of God. Uh, where does Jesus want us to have our main loyalty lie? Where does Jesus want us to focus our loyalty at? Now, I have heard people say, not anybody in the church, okay, but I've heard people say, I will do anything for my family. And they are talking about their blood family, not their spiritual family. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, I'll do anything for my spiritual family. Uh, will, will you do anything for your spiritual family? How much will you do? How high are they on your list of priorities and importance? Today, Jesus is going to say, okay, we have a priority of our family by blood. Where is our priority by our spiritual union in Christ? I have heard people say that their family comes before God uh, without any uh, equivocation at all. Family comes before God. And they're talking about their blood family. I don't hear my, my uh, many people at all say my spiritual family comes first because of God. Some of us have blood family that is also spiritual family. So if you have people in your family that know Christ as Savior, they're by blood and they're by spirit. Do you treat non-blood spiritual family members with the same love and the same concern that you have for those who are members of both your blood and your spiritual family? Or does one get preference over the other? Today we are challenged with what Jesus says about this issue of family. Uh, do I want to evangelize my blood family and they're my most important focus and I don't focus on anybody outside of my blood family? Uh, do I want to focus and evangelize on my blood family who don't know Christ as much as I want to uh, non-blood family, uh, or really wouldn't be family at that point, but who do not know Christ? What do I really want to do? Jesus warns us today about the pitfalls of, and I want to insert a word here, uh, pitfalls of pagan blood family being put above believing spiritual family. Now, it's hard to talk about this without saying you need to take care of your own blood family. You need to raise them, you need to teach them, you need to do with them what God wants you to do. But there's also the issue of what do you do with the family of God? How important is the spiritual family to you? So Jesus is talking about this again as he sends the disciples or he's getting ready to send them out on mission. Here's what he's telling you is going to happen on the mission in verse 21 uh, down through 25. He says, brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. In other words, the day is coming as evil overtakes the world. The day is coming when people in your family who are not Christians will turn on you. Uh, I can't think of my brother doing that right now. It just seems so far out that he would do something like that. But there's going to be people that have brothers who don't know Christ who are going to turn on them. It also is saying that kids in your own family are going to snitch on you and tell people that you are still worshiping God and doing things you shouldn't do about God, and they're going to turn you in, and they will be the cause of your death. And that's blood relation. Verse 22. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. 
A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and that the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house, he's talking about himself, Jesus Christ. If they have called the head of the house, Beelzebul, or you could say Satan or the devil, how much more will they malign the members of his household? So Jesus just said, here's how they're going to treat you out there on your mission. And by the way, that mission extends to where we are today and those things are still happening. That mission includes us today as well. On the mission, you're going to run into danger. You're going to run into people that want to, want to put you to death and people that are going to turn against you. Some of them are going to be your own family. And I want you guys to think about the fact, he's talking to the disciples, that if they are calling me the head of the house of God, the head of the family of God, if they're calling me Beelzebul or Satan, what do you think they're going to call you? You think they're going to leave you alone? And the answer is no, they're not. Let's look into this. Verses 21 to 22. We're going to learn here that those who endure persecution from family and others to the end will be saved. The Lord has a lot to say about uh, not denying him before men. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. What that means is that you were never really a believer in the first place. Because those who are true believers cannot deny God no matter what the cost is, even if the cost is death. And he's talking about those things in this passage. We are still in a situation where Jesus is about to send his disciples out on their mission, two by two, to complete that mission as they go through cities in Israel. They carry with them the powerful message, and we've talked about that, and the power of the Spirit of God with them. The message of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to do miracles, to authenticate the message that they are preaching. But there are other issues in the mission. There's other things that are going to happen that they need to take into consideration. Jesus has also been talking to them about them being as wise, or we found out that word means as clever, as clever as serpents and as harmless as doves. And what that means is we don't put ourselves in harm's way if we don't have to. So we might be able to live to serve another day, but if we have to do it, and the alternative is denying Christ, then we will do it, and we'll put our life at risk. Jesus will talk about that also. He promised them that on this mission, they would be confronted by people who are enemies of the cross, who would like to devour them like a wolf would devour a sheep. Some of those people are your blood relatives. Some of them are in your family, likely. Uh, some of you have everybody in your family, you think we're all Christians, okay? That's, uh, that's a blessing from God. But some of them are not. That puts them in an enemy camp. That puts them on the other side of the fence, even though they're your blood relative. And so our allegiances to them uh, need to be considered before God in terms of who our true family is going to be for the rest of eternity. The issue here is that they need to know that some of those wolves will include members of their own blood family, a son, a daughter, a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, uncle, an aunt. And uh, that includes all in their, their close relatives. We must also note, for the sake of our understanding of this text, that these warnings are not just for the disciples' mission uh, for then and, and only then. It's for every mission that takes off and goes out for Jesus Christ. You will meet opposition. He's told us that. They're not going to think you're the best thing that ever happened to them unless they are uh, going to come to know Christ as Savior. 
Jesus is talking about their mission, and he also is talking about what will happen on our mission. Now, if you never do mission work for Jesus Christ, if you never share your faith, if you never stand up in public and talk about Jesus, then you're not going to be attacked, and some people do that. And you have to wonder, well, do you really belong to Christ if you're not willing to say something for him? He's talking about their mission and our mission and all those missionaries for Christ until the Lord's return at his second coming. And we get a, a taste of that, a taste of the eschatological nature of this, the end times nature of this, when he talks about uh, them going through all uh, the, the cities of Israel. Well, thus it includes the time on earth where Jesus began talking about this until uh, the worst time on earth, which is going to be the Great Tribulation. Family members who have loyalty to the beast in the Tribulation, uh, the Antichrist, will, will betray to death their own flesh and blood to the beast political Gestapo for their execution. It includes all times in the past and future where family betrays family over theological allegiances. And friends, that happens today. Around the world, there are people, there are kids, there are adults, brothers and sisters that are turning in their blood relatives to the authorities so that they can be put to death or at least thrown in jail and punished because they're following Jesus Christ. And it's just like in the church. The Bible says in the church, be careful. There may be wolves that rise up from among your own, your own congregation. And their, their goal is to devour the flock. Well, in a blood family, there can be people that rise up to destroy the family. This happens all over the world today. And not just in Christianity, but that's what we're focused on this morning. In verse 21, Jesus tells us that a blood brother will hand you over to the authorities for the purpose of your execution and your imprisonment. It goes further than this. A father will hand over his son or his daughter to the authorities. A beloved child will rebel against the God-given authority of their parents and they will rat out their parents to the authorities because they know their mom and dad love Jesus and the kids have been taught they need to be executed, they need to be dealt with. So I want you to notice in verse 21, they will rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. You ever thought about the fact if you have an unbelieving child and we get into the end times here like I think we are and things are going to get a little dicey for us and uh, there's going to be things they're going to say, you can't do that, you can't talk that way, you can't say those things or you're going to be in trouble with the government. And those days are fast upon us. And you have a child that's been taught uh, by some liberal person, whether it be in the educational system or in some other way, uh, that you need to turn your parents in because they're bad for the community. And your allegiance needs to be the community. It doesn't need to be to your mom and dad. So they turn them in and cause them to be put to death. He's telling his disciples to be careful about this on their mission. It happened then. It happens now. And it is because kids will do that because of the political and religious system of the pagan world and their, ed their education of our children that the kids will side with the authorities against those who love God and they'll be taught to hate God. That's why it's so important we have things like Sunday school and Awana, and uh, we study the Bible so our kids know this is, this is something I'm not going to get into. I'm going to have to stand against that. And it happens to Christians. It happens also in the Muslim world as well. Uh, it's all over the world, and it can happen to us. I want to quote here uh, Mr., or, I'm sorry, Dr. David Turner. 
He said, it is a difficult teaching. He's talking about our allegiance to the spiritual family. It is a difficult teaching, but the primary allegiance of disciples must be to Jesus and to their new family, the kingdom of disciples, not their natural family. Now, he didn't say not to love your family. He didn't say to give up on them. He was saying, where's your allegiance when push comes to shove? In verse 22, every disciple who is courageous enough to live out his or her discipleship will be hated by the members of Satan's dark kingdom, whether they are people outside of your blood family or people uh, in your blood family. The extent to which the hatred will go uh, from our preceding verse is to death. That's the end game uh, when it comes to what Satan wants to do to Christianity. Now, we saw this with Jesus. We saw this with Stephen in the book of Acts. We saw it with Paul, who ended up getting his head cut off because of his faith. With all the disciples, except John, who tradition says they tried to boil him alive in oil, and he managed to live through that. And so they'd send him to the island of Patmos, where he writes the book of Revelation, and they didn't succeed in killing John. Every other of the disciples, uh, they put to death. Some of them were hung, some of them were strangled, some this and some that way. And uh, a host of others since that time. I want to read at this point John 16, verse 2. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he's offering service to God. Let's do God a favor and get rid of the uh, Christian that's uh, causing his problem, whatever the case might be. Now, this gives us the impression that there is, uh, there, that this, that, I'm sorry, that this is no game. Ours is a serious commitment. It's just that we live in a country where we haven't had to stand up much for what we believe. We haven't, had to, we haven't had to take it on the chin for saying we love Jesus and you ought to love him too. That hasn't happened to us. We haven't seen that kind of persecution. But every indication is it's at the door. So what are you, what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Uh, and the salvation spoken about here is eternal. Uh, Dr. Turner says this, when disciples face persecution, only those who persever- whose perseverance demonstrates the authenticity of their faith will be saved. When persecution comes, Jesus expects us to stand up if we belong to him and to make an allegiance with our spiritual family and not defer to blood relatives who are on the other side with Satan just because they're blood relatives. Verse 23. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. So here Jesus teaches on your mission, flee persecution for the purpose of continuing the mission if it's possible to do so. Now, you're going to have to make a decision here, right? When do you run and when do you not run? Okay, when do you stand and take it and when do you uh, try to live for another day to serve Jesus Christ? Um, In my life, I've only met one person in person, only one, who bears what the Bible calls the brand marks of Christ on his body. What I'm talking about are the scars where they whipped him because he went from being a Muslim to being a Christian and where his family whipped him. And then they threw stuff in his eyes. He was blind and somehow he managed to get out of that, uh, out of his country. And he came over here and some churches adopted him. And uh, he was at one of our district conferences. And what, what I'm saying is that this guy knows what it's like to face family members who hate you 
I'm talking about blood family, an, an extended family, and then all the neighbors hate you, and they persecute you, they, they blind you. And I said, how, how on earth did you ever get out? His, his answer was, God's the only way, right? And he, and he managed to live another day, and he came and he ministered to us at the conference. Well, uh, this verse, again, is looking at the mission from the standpoint of the twelve, and all the disciples of Christ who are on mission for him until he comes again. Hopefully that's us. All of Israel has not yet been reached with the gospel message for various reasons. This still hasn't come to pass. They will not be reached until the second coming of Jesus Christ, when God will send forth one of his angels during the tribulation to proclaim the gospel to every creature. He'll use an angel to do that. And some will come to know Christ. In fact, it says Israel will turn to Christ at the end of that tribulation. Well, because we know there will be persecution, we must keep moving forward to as many listeners as we can. Why would I move to a different area? Why would I maybe take a different job? You know, Have you ever thought about taking a different job just so that you could spend time with people that you haven't been evangelizing for the last 30 years? Uh, maybe God has another mission field in the area that he wants you to reach out to. Uh, but one of the reasons we take a different job is for our mission, for our ministry, so we can reach other people. I would think that's what we do. Well, because we know there's going to be persecution, we know we run into trouble wherever we go. People hate Jesus in a lot of different places. Some believers will choose to not flee, but to gain a better resurrection. In other words, if you're, if you're going to be in a situation where they might put you to death, they say, that's okay. I want to gain that better resurrection. It's okay. Go ahead and put me to death. Hebrews 11, 35. And Jesus talks about persecution for the faith. Uh, through the author of the, who wrote Hebrews, whom we don't know. Women received back their dead, I'm in verse 35 of chapter 11, by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that, reason or purpose, they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two. The uh, tradition says that's how Isaiah was killed. They cut him in half with a saw. They were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom this world is not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves, approval uh, through, approved by their faith, even though they didn't receive the final promise that God will give them. Well, friends, who knows what we're going to face uh, before he raptures us. Persecution is very likely for us until then. What are we going to do? How are we going to respond? Are we going to be faithful and trust God, or are we going to turn on God and say, well, we never really did like him anyway? This, then, is good information for us to have ahead of time. We are fine before God if we can flee persecution for the purpose of carrying on our mission for Jesus in another venue, another way. We are fine if we decide to bear the punishment for the name of Jesus instead. Either way is good. But we are never fine. We are never fine to deny Jesus. That's pretty clear in the scripture. Verses 24 and 25. We learn there, the disciple is not above his teacher and will possibly receive more persecution than his teacher. Who's our teacher? It's Jesus. The disciples knew this is Jesus. They're going to persecute him. They'll persecute us. We're not, we're not above him. The disciple of Jesus, they are not socially, religiously, intellectually, or politically above Jesus in any way. 
He's the greatest of the great. Because of this truth, we need to understand that since he endured persecution, we, as his followers, will not escape persecution. The only way to escape persecution is to deny you know Jesus Christ, give up on Christianity. And God says, if you can do that, then you really don't belong to him. We don't want that to happen either. Right now, pagans in our world, unbelievers, if that's too harsh of a term for you, uh, unbelievers in our world right now like Jesus more than they like you and me. And the reason they like Jesus so much is because they made up a Jesus that is all love and all kind and he never gets angry with anybody. He would never send anybody to hell. He would never discipline anybody. He's just all love. It's you Christians that follow him. You guys have the problem. You say things like, if I don't trust Christ, I'm going to hell. How could you be so unloving? And now they, they believe that there is no hell. What are you people talking about? Why don't you just be quiet and stop talking about these things? And they like Jesus, but they don't like us, but they're fast getting to a place where they don't like Jesus. Yuval Harari uh, just got through saying that uh, God is dead, but it's just taken a long time for us to get him buried. He just said that at Davos uh, just last month. God is dead. That's what the world thinks. And if you think he's alive, you're a problem. So right now, pagans tend to like Jesus more than they like us because they made up a Jesus that isn't the biblical Jesus. Does Jesus love? Absolutely. Does he love more than anyone else could ever love? Yes. Is that all he is? No. He's also righteous and good and just, and he will exact discipline on people that reject him. They really don't know Jesus, and I don't think they really care to. Verse 25, we learn that it's enough to be like Jesus and even... Uh, in that case, we will likely be persecuted for that because we're of the household of God. The whole point is that if this is the way that they treat the master of the house, how much more will they treat us as persecuting? It's, it's inescapable, friends. It's inescapable. Jesus said, if they have called the head of the house, the head of Christianity, the head of God's movement, uh, the one in charge. Uh, Jesus is the Lord of the house. He is uh, literally from the Greek text. He is the Lord of heights. But they're saying the Lord of heights is Satan. And he's the devil. The word they used here in our text was Beelzebul, which is a designation for the devil. They're saying Jesus is the devil, the head of the Christian house. And they're not yet called Christians, of course. It will be later on in Antioch. How much more will they malign the members of the household? Who's telling them that? Jesus. Jesus knows what they're thinking. He knows what they're saying about him. He knows what the religious leaders think of him. And he's warning his men, you're not going out to win a bunch of sheep. There's wolves out there and they'll try to kill you. They're going to do this to me. They're saying that I am Satan himself. That means they're going to think you're doing your works by Satan. And that's all messed up. It's all turned the wrong way. It's where people are calling what is good evil and what is evil good. And certainly that happens today as well. It's like calling Satan the exalted head of demons. Well, he is the exalted head of demons, but he's a wicked, evil, sinful, hateful person in the person of Satan. Thus, they will label us members of the house of evil and Jesus the head of the house of evil. It is just like Satan and his people to call evil good and good evil and that's what's happening 
Today, Christianity is viewed by the world as the enemy, uh, what is diseased about the world, and that which stands in the way of progress leading to a utopian society. I kind of keep my finger on the occults and what's happening with that, and uh, necromancers and seance leaders and mediums are now telling people by demonic power that we have a plan to remove the people of the earth with our spaceships who are your problem. I said, demons are saying that. <laughs> who do you think those people think are the problem? It's us. And that'll be their answer to where all these Christians went. Well, they're in for a big surprise someday unless we reach them with the gospel, unless we can get them and snatch them from that fire. That's what we're supposed to do. Do you love people that, enough, that much? you care that much? I think we do. Let me leave you with these uh, by way of uh, some application here, and then we'll spend some time around the Lord's table. Number one, if you're following in your bulletin, persecute, and I'm talking about the, the Greek word here, right? Persecute means the world is moving rapidly to harass believers because of their unbelief. So the word persecute means to move rapidly to hurt somebody. And the Lord is saying that's what's going to happen here. And then I wanted to mention on number two there, John fifteen twenty, where Jesus said, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. See that hope at the end of that? You keep putting out the gospel. You keep trusting. You keep trying. And you will win some. That's what keeps us going, right? The student should not expect better treatment than his teacher. That's number two. The student should not expect better treatment than the teacher got. Number three, our allegiance is first to Jesus and to our true spiritual and eternal family. I really believe that's what Jesus is saying. If you'd have been there that day and Jesus' mom, Mary, was outside and the brothers and you're the one that said, hey, Jesus, your mom's looking for you. You might be one of those who think Jesus needs to drop everything and go see what his mommy wants because she's his mom. That's, he owes his allegiance there. And Jesus said, well, who is my mom? Who are my brothers and my sisters? And he said, these disciples. He said it. Fourthly, if we flee persecution, it should be for the purpose of advancing the mission message, not just to save our own skin. And lastly, this, whatever comes, by the way, friends, God knows, God cares, God's in charge, but whatever comes, our goal is to stand with Jesus to the end by faith. Stand with Jesus to the end by faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that you would help us as we really try to figure out uh, where you want us to be in terms of our love and allegiance to the spiritual family of God like you had and the love and allegiance we have for our, our blood relatives and our family. And Father, I just pray that you would give us wisdom. We're not to deny either of them, but to love them both. And in the end, no matter who is in our family, if they're not a member of that spiritual family, they will be lost forever. I pray that that would move us to tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's just in our family or outside our family, that we would take them all 
and tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to thank you, Father, uh, that uh, we, we uh, have made a priority of trying to reach people for Jesus. Uh, we've made a priority of trying to save marriages. We make a priority of children's ministry uh, all the way up through high school and then to take care of us as we learn the word of God and try to reach our world with it. We're not afraid of what's coming. We're just glad you're with us. We want to be faithful, and I pray that you would give us the strength and courage for whatever that day and that hour demands of us, because we know without any doubt that you are with us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.